section twenty six of volume one e of history of england from the invasion of julius caesar to the revolution of sixteen eighty eight this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. History of England from the Invasion of Julius Caesar to the Revolution of 1688 by David Hume, Volume 1e, Section 26, Chapter 55, Part 5. When the House of Commons met, they affected the greatest dismay, and adjourning themselves for some days, ordered a committee to sit in Merchant Taylor's Hall in the city. The committee made an exact inquiry into all circumstances attending the king's entry into the house. Every passionate speech, every menacing gesture of any, even the meanest of his attendants, was recorded and aggravated. An intention of offering violence to the Parliament, of seizing the accused members in the very house, and of murdering all who should make resistance, was inferred. And that unparalleled breach of privilege, so it was called, was still ascribed to the council of papists and their adherents. This expression, which then recurred every moment in speeches and memorials, and which at present is so apt to excite laughter in the reader, begat at that time the deepest and most real consternation throughout the kingdom a letter was pretended to be intercepted and was communicated to the committee who pretended to lay great stress upon it one catholic there congratulates another on the accusation of the members and represents that incident as a branch of the same pious contrivance which had excited the irish insurrection and by which the profane heretics would soon be exterminated in england the house again met and after confirming the votes of their committee instantly adjourned as if exposed to the most imminent perils from the violence of their enemies this practice they continued for some time when the people by these affected panics were wrought up to a sufficient degree of rage and terror it was thought proper that the accused members should with a triumphant and military procession take their seats in the house the river was covered with boats and other vessels laden with small pieces of ordnance and prepared for fight skippon whom the parliament had appointed by their own authority major-general of the city militia conducted the members at the head of this tumultuary army to westminster hall and when the populace by land and by water passed whitehall they still asked with insulting shouts what has become of the king and his cavaliers and whither are they fled the king apprehensive of danger from the enraged multitude had retired to hampton court deserted by all the world and overwhelmed with grief shame and remorse for the fatal measures into which he had been hurried his distressed situation he could no longer ascribe to the rigours of destiny or the malignity of enemies his own precipitancy and indiscretion must bear the blame of whatever disasters should henceforth befall him the most faithful of his adherents 
between sorrow and indignation were confounded with reflections on what had happened and what was likely to follow seeing every prospect blasted faction triumphant the discontented populace inflamed to a degree of fury they utterly despaired of success in a cause to whose ruin friends and enemies seemed equally to conspire the prudence of the king in his conduct of this affair nobody pretended to justify the legality of his proceedings met with many and just apologies though generally offered to unwilling ears no maxim of law it was said is more established or more universally allowed than that privilege of parliament extends not to treason felony or breach of peace nor has either house during former ages ever pretended in any of those cases to interpose in behalf of its members though some inconveniences should result from the observance of this maxim that would not be sufficient without other authority to abolish a principle established by uninterrupted precedent and founded on the tacit consent of the whole legislature but what are the inconveniences so much dreaded the king on pretence of treason may seize any members of the opposite faction and for a time gain to his partisans the majority of voices but if he sees only a few will he not lose more friends by such a gross artifice than he confines enemies if he sees a great number is not this expedient force open and barefaced and what remedy at all times against such force but to oppose to it a force which is superior even allowing that the king intended to employ violence not authority for seizing the members though at that time and ever afterwards he positively asserted the contrary yet will his conduct admit of excuse that the hall where parliament assembles is an inviolable sanctuary was never yet pretended and if the commons complain of the affront offered them by an attempt to arrest their members in their very presence the blame must lie entirely on themselves who had formerly refused compliance with the king's message when he peaceably demanded these members the sovereign is the great executor of the laws and his presence was here legally employed both in order to prevent opposition and to protect the house against those insults which their disobedience had so well merited charles knew to how little purpose he should urge these reasons against the present fury of the commons he proposed therefore by a message that they should agree upon a legal method by which he might carry on his prosecution against the members lest further misunderstandings happen with regard to privilege they desired him to lay the grounds of accusation before the house and pretended that they must first judge whether it were proper to give up their members to a legal trial the king then informed them that he would waive for the present all prosecution by successive messages he afterwards offered a pardon to the members offered to concur in any law that should acquit or secure them offered any reparation to the house for the breach of privilege of which he acknowledged they had reason to complain they were resolved to accept no satisfaction unless he would discover his advisers in that illegal measure a condition to which 
they knew that without rendering himself forever vile and contemptible he could not possibly submit meanwhile they continued to thunder against the violation of parliamentary privileges and by their violent outcries to inflame the whole nation the secret reason of their displeasure however obvious they carefully concealed in the king's accusation of the members they plainly saw his judgment of late parliamentary proceedings and every adherent of the ruling faction dreaded the same fate should royal authority be re-established in its ancient lustre by the most unhappy conduct charles while he extremely augmented in his opponents the will had also increased the ability of hurting him the more to excite the people whose dispositions were already very seditious the expedient of petitioning was renewed a petition from the county of buckingham was presented to the house by six thousand subscribers who promised to live and die in defence of the privileges of parliament the city of london the county of essex that of hereford surrey berks imitated the example a petition from the apprentices was graciously received nay one was encouraged from the porters whose numbers amounted as they said to fifteen thousand the address of that great body contained the same articles with all the others the privileges of parliament the danger of religion the rebellion of ireland the decay of trade the porters further desired that justice might be done upon offenders as the atrociousness of their crimes had deserved and they added that if such remedies were any longer suspended they should be forced to extremities not fit to be named and to make good the saying that necessity has no law another petition was presented by several poor people or beggars in the name of many thousands more in which the petitioners proposed as a remedy for the public miseries that those noble worthies of the house of peers who concur with the happy votes of the commons may separate themselves from the rest and sit and vote as one entire body the commons gave thanks for this petition the very women were seized with the same rage a brewer's wife followed by many thousands of her sex brought a petition to the house in which the petitioners expressed their terror of the papists and prelates and their dread of like massacres rapes and outrages with those which had been committed upon their sex in ireland they had been necessitated they said to imitate the example of the women of tekoa and they claimed equal right with the men of declaring by petition their sense of the public cause because christ had purchased them at a dear rate and in the free enjoyment of christ consists equally the happiness of both sexes pym came to the door of the house and having told the female zealots that their petition was thankfully accepted and was presented in a seasonable time he begged that their prayers for success of the commons might follow their petition such low arts of popularity were affected and by such a liberal cant were the unhappy people incited to civil discord and convulsions in the meantime not only all petitions which favoured the church or monarchy from whatever hand they came were discouraged 
but the petitioners were sent for imprisoned and prosecuted as delinquents and this unequal conduct was openly avowed and justified whoever desire a change it was said must express their sentiments for how otherwise shall they be known but those who favor the established government in church or state should not petition because they already enjoy what they wish for the king had possessed a great party in the lower house as appeared in the vote for the remonstrance and this party had every new cause of disgust been carefully avoided would soon have become the majority from the odium attending the violent measures embraced by the popular leaders a great majority he always possessed in the house of peers even after the bishops were confined or chased away and this majority could not have been overcome but by outrages which in the end would have drawn disgrace and ruin on those who incited them by the present fury of the people as by an inundation were all these obstacles swept away and every rampart of royal authority laid level with the ground the victory was pursued with impetuosity by the sagacious commons who knew the importance of a favorable moment in all popular commotions the terror of their authority they extended over the whole nation and all opposition and even all blame vented in private conversation were treated as the most atrocious crimes by these severe inquisitors scarcely was it permitted to find fault with the conduct of any particular member if he made a figure in the house and reflections thrown out on pym were at this time treated as breaches of privilege the populace without doors were ready to execute from the least hint the will of their leaders nor was it safe for any member to approach either house who pretended to control or oppose the general torrent after so undisguised a manner was this violence conducted that hollis in a speech to the peers desired to know the names of such members as should vote contrary to the sentiments of the commons and pym said in the lower house that the people must not be restrained in the expressions of their just desires by flight or terror or despondency of the king's party an undisputed majority remained everywhere to their opponents and the bills sent up by the commons which had hitherto stopped with the peers and would certainly have been rejected now passed and were presented for the royal assent these were the pressing bill with its preamble and the bill against the votes of the bishops in parliament the king's authority was at that time reduced to the lowest ebb the queen too being secretly threatened with an impeachment and finding no resource in her husband's protection was preparing to retire into holland the rage of the people was on account of her religion as well as her spirit and activity universally levelled against her usage the most contumelious she had hitherto borne with silent indignation the commons in their fury against priests had seized her very confessor nor would they release him upon her repeated applications even a visit of the prince to his mother had been openly complained of and remonstrances against it had been presented to her apprehensive of attacks still more violent 
she was desirous of facilitating her escape and she prevailed with the king to pass these bills in hopes of appeasing for a time the rage of the multitude these new concessions however important the king immediately found to have no other effect than had all the preceding ones they were made the foundation of demands still more exorbitant from the facility of his disposition from the weakness of his situation the commons believed that he could now refuse them nothing and they regarded the least moment of relaxation in their invasion of royal authority as highly impolitic during the uninterrupted torrent of their successes the very moment they were informed of these last acquisitions they affronted the queen by opening some intercepted letters written to her by lord digby they carried up an impeachment against herbert attorney-general for obeying his master's commands in accusing their members and they prosecuted with fresh vigour their plan of the militia on which they rested all future hopes of an uncontrolled authority the commons were sensible that monarchical government which during so many ages had been established in england would soon regain some degree of its former dignity after the present tempest was overblown nor would all their new invented limitations be able totally to suppress an authority to which the nation had ever been accustomed the sword alone to which all human ordinances must submit could guard their acquired power and fully ensure to them personal safety against the rising indignation of their sovereign this point therefore became the chief object of their aims a large magazine of arms being placed in the town of hull they dispatched thither sir john hotham a gentleman of considerable fortune in the neighbourhood and of an ancient family and they gave him the authority of governor they sent orders to goring governor of portsmouth to obey no commands but such as he should receive from the parliament not content with having obliged the king to displace lunsford whom he had appointed governor of the tower they never ceased soliciting him till he had also displaced sir john biron a man of unexceptionable character and had bestowed that command on sir john conyers in whom alone they said they could repose confidence after making a fruitless attempt in which the peers refused their concurrence to give public warning that the people should put themselves in a posture of defence against the enterprises of papists and other ill-affected persons they now resolved by a bold and decisive stroke to seize at once the whole power of the sword and to confer it entirely on their own creatures and adherents the severe votes passed in the beginning of this parliament against lieutenants and their deputies for exercising powers assumed by all their predecessors had totally disarmed the crown and had not left in any magistrate military authority sufficient for the defence and security of the nation to remedy this inconvenience now appeared necessary a bill was introduced and passed the two houses which restored to lieutenants and deputies the same powers of which the votes of the commons had bereaved them but at the same time the names of all the lieutenants were inserted in the bill and these consisted entirely of men in whom the parliament could confide and for their conduct they were held accountable 
by the express terms of the bill, not to the king, but to the Parliament. The policy pursued by the Commons, and which had hitherto succeeded to admiration, was, to astonish the king by the boldness of their enterprises, to intermingle no sweetness with their severity, to employ expressions no less violent than their pretensions, and to make him sensible in what little estimation they held both his person and his dignity. To a bill so destructive of royal authority, they prefixed, with an insolence seemingly wanton, a preamble equally dishonourable to the personal character of the king. These are the words. Whereas there has been of late a most dangerous and desperate design upon the House of Commons, which we have just cause to believe an effect of the bloody counsels of papists and other ill-affected persons who have already raised rebellion in the kingdom of Ireland. And whereas, by reason of many discoveries, we cannot but fear they will proceed, not only to stir up like rebellions and insurrections in this kingdom of England, but also to back them with forces from abroad, etc. Here Charles first ventured to put a stop to his concessions, and that not by a refusal, but a delay. When this demand was made, a demand, which, if granted, the commons justly regarded as the last they should ever have occasion to make, he was at Dover, attending the Queen and the Princess of Orange in their embarkation. He replied, that he had not now leisure to consider a matter of so great importance, and must therefore respite his answer till his return. The Parliament instantly dispatched another message to him, with solicitations still more importunate. They expressed their great grief on account of His Majesty's answer to their just and necessary petition. They represented, that any delay during dangers and distractions so great and pressing, was not less unsatisfactory and destructive than an absolute denial. They insisted, that it was their duty to see put in execution a measure so necessary for public safety. And they affirmed, that the people in many counties had applied to them for that purpose, and in some places were, of themselves and by their own authority, providing against those urgent dangers with which they were threatened. Even after this insolence, the king durst not venture upon a flat denial. Besides accepting to the preamble, which such dishonour upon him, and protesting the innocence of his intentions when he entered the House of Commons, he only desired that the military authority, if it were defective, should first be conferred upon the crown and he promised to bestow commissions, but such as should be revocable at pleasure, on the same persons whom the Parliament had named in the bill. By a former message, he had expressed his wishes that they would lay before him, in one view, all the concessions which they deemed requisite for the settlement of the nation. They pretended that they were exposed to perils so dreadful and imminent that they had not leisure for such a work. The expedient proposed by the king seemed a sufficient remedy during this emergence, and yet maintained the prerogatives of the crown entire and unbroken. But the intentions of the commons were wide of this purpose, and their panics could be cured by one remedy alone. They instantly replied, 
that the dangers and distempers of the nation were such as could endure no longer delay and unless the king speedily complied with their demands they should be constrained for the safety of the prince and people to dispose of the militia by the authority of both houses and were resolved to do it accordingly they asserted that those parts of the kingdom which had from their own authority put themselves in a posture of defence during these prevailing fears and jealousies had acted suitably to the declarations and directions of both houses and conformably to the laws of the kingdom and while they thus menaced the king with their power they invited him to fix his residence at london where they knew he would be entirely at mercy end of section twenty six chapter fifty five part five